November 7th, 2013. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon, and tonight we present a discussion on the 25th path of the Hermetic Kabbalistic Tree of Life. This path goes up the middle pillar from Yesod to Tifereth and has the Tarot Trump temperance attributed to it. Dr. Rigardi considers it related to the Holy Guardian Angel as your guiding spirit on the path. The astrological reference is Sagittarius and relates to an arrow shot directly upwards. The Hebrew letter is Svek, and the traditional reference is the tentative intelligence. Again, our texts for tonight will be Gareth Knight's Practical Guide to Kabbalistic Symbolism and John Michael Greer's Paths of Wisdom. So, if you want to keep Going up the tree with us, tune in, close your eyes, and we'll take a shot at the sun. Now, this is probably one of the most important paths on the tree. And those of you who are listening who have a Tree of Life diagram in front of you, you'll be able to follow this a little bit better. Uh, But this path is right straight up on the middle pillar, right under Tipperath, and it goes from Yasod, the sphere of, of the moon, and the sphere of memory, and the sphere of the emotions, the foundation, right uh, right at the, the entrance to the astral plane, or the Yasod dimension. Uh, and then, from Yasod to Tipperath, which represents the sun, and beauty, and transformation, and uh, the central uh, God presence of the solar system, um, this path passes through what is referred to as the veil of the sanctuary. Now, in the structure of the tree of life, we have we have two of these these divisions, which uh, you you cross in the uh, in your ascent. And this one, the veil of the sanctuary, is between the three lower spheres, that's Malkuth, Yasod, Hod, and Netzach, that are grouped down below this veil of the sanctuary. And then then there's the veil. And then above that, we have Tipereth, which is the sphere, as I said, of the sun and of transformation and uh, the sphere of sacrifice and redemption, uh, the sphere where you would place Jesus, Osiris, and uh, and Baal, and and his brother Mote. And I'll explain that in a sense that that Baal is a vegetation spirit. This is the original Canaanite uh, uh, pantheon. Baal is the vegetation spirit uh, that that uh, grows and, and dies every year, is resurrected. And his brother, his brother Moat, the original Grim Reaper, is actually a solar, very much a solar entity. One might call him a, a solar demon, if you want to call him that. Uh, and because he, he has, he's at the height of his power, 
in the summertime when when everything dries up. And so he and his Paul's brother, and so the two of them, in, in the Canaanite mythology, the two of them uh, reside in Tipperary. And otherwise, as I said, we would have in, in, in Egyptian um, uh, mythology, we would want to put Osiris there, and I'm sure we're all familiar with the um, with the legend of Osiris being killed by Typhon and being dismembered, and and then being brought back to life by his sister and wife Isis, and who goes around and about collecting his body parts and whatever, uh, and. So you can put just about any, uh, especially any solar uh, dying and rising god. If you if you're a Mithraite, you would certainly put Mithra in in, uh, in Tiferet. And obviously, this is going to be a uh, a transformation sphere, and that veil of uh, the sanctuary is placed between Tiferet and Yasod and Hod and Netzach. So um, that's the um, that's the structure of it. But to make it a little more um, uh, obvious as to how uh, the special nature of this this path uh, up the middle pillar from from Hod over on on the um, on the left side of the tree, the pillar of severity. Hod, the intellectual sphere, the sphere of Mercury, the path that leads from there diagonally to Tiferet and also goes through the veil, that is the path of the devil. And over on the other side of the tree from Netzach, the sphere of nature and the sphere of, of the sphere of the goddess, this is over there on the uh, on the pillar of beauty and pillar of uh, mercy, um, that path leading to Tipperef diagonally and through the veil is attributed to death. So we have two rather sinister, uh, rather challenging sinister paths leading from either either Odd or Nesak. And then in the middle we have this path, um, the 25th path, which of course is attributed to the tarot card temperance. This is the middle and the balanced way. Now, uh, these other two paths, devil and death, are referred to as the guardians. They're the two guardians that you're supposed to uh, get through to get uh, to get to Tipperet. But uh, some people, including uh, including John Michael Greer, uh, recommend that you um, that you do. Uh, 25th path, temperance first, and before you try the other two. No, I'm not so sure that's that's good. I think you know the, the uh, you might want to. Well, you might want to try one of the other the other two paths, and then and then and then settle on temperance as your best way to get there. That's it's up to you how you want to do it. Now, uh, I'm going to read you. A section in Regardi's Garden of Pomegranates. Let me say this about Garden of Pomegranates. It's um, very short and very concise. In fact, it's so nice and short and concise uh, that we use it as a, as an in-temple reference book when we have, when we have candidates 
doing their their Holy Guardian Angel retreat, which is a three-day intensive that requires 22 rituals over a three-day period. And Garden of Pomegranates is one of the books that will permit them to take in there because it is short and it is uh, detailed. So here, um, reading from Regardi's Garden of Pomegranates. And he says, path number 25, joining Tipperestia's sword. Numerical value is 60. This letter, Samek, means the prop. <coughs> the path is attributed to the zodiacal sign of Sagittarius, the arrow, and is called the tentative intelligence. Sagittarius is essentially a hunting sign, and Diana, as the celestial archer and the goddess of the chase, finds her place in this category. Apollo and Artemis, as hunters, with the bow and the arrow, are also included. The symbol of Sagittarius is the creative centaur, the half-man and the half-beast, who is traditionally connected with archery, and the horse also, is a correspondence of Semek. And the plant, uh, appropriate, is the rush used in making arrows. A perfume is lingam aloes, and green is the color. And the rainbow is also a correspondence of Semek. And in this connection, the god Ares is attributed. The tarot attribution is temperance, showing an angel crowned with a golden sigil of the sun, clothed in a beautiful white robe, and on his breast are written the letters of the Tetragrammaton over a white square, wherein is a gold triangle. And he pours a blue liquid from a gilt chalice into another. The path leads from Yasad to Tipareth, the sphere of the sun. The angel of the tarot would typify the holy guardian angel to whom man aspires. Now, let me mention here that the Holy Guardian Angel uh, experience is attributed to Malkuth, and the operational, our operational, although it includes all the 22 spheres of the tree, is all done in Malkuth. But regarding, I think it's absolutely right that this, your Holy Guardian Angel should be your guide. I, I'm digressing now from regarding, but your Holy Guardian Angel really should be your guide up this, up this middle path. And one of the main reasons for that is, is you actually have three, three guardian angels. You have the angel, this is according to Hermes and according to Agrippa. Uh, you have three of them. You have, you have the angel of your ascendant. You have the planetary angel that rules the sign. And then you have the holy guardian angel that is with you through all your incarnations and, and is not influenced by your, your particular natal uh, chart. He is your angel that stays with you through uh, your your incarnations. So this is the one that the, the the one that mediates. The one that mediates is the one between between your uh, your ascendant, your planetary angel, whatever. Uh, so he really should your holy guardian angel really should guide you up this path. Then we'll go back to regard. Okay. The keynote of the astrological sign. The arrow pointing heavenwards is aspiration. And the sigil of the sun and the gilt triangle over the heart of the angel all point to the object of aspiration, representing Asar Unnefer, man made perfect, 
Hardly any can be entertained as to the correctness of these tarot allocations. If stone is jacinth, which in reality refers to the beautiful boy Hyacinth, who was killed accidentally by Apollo uh, with a quoit, and that's, of course, a, a crossbow dart. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Apollo had a crossbow. So I guess it was a coin without a well, Anyway, um, that that's Regardi's reference. Let me say while we're on the subject of the of the card, uh, the Temperance card, uh, the one we're most familiar with, of course, is in the Wake deck, and and we, and we have uh, the Angel, um, who is essentially Raphael, if you take the Golden Dawn correspondences, because the Golden Dawn puts Raphael in heart. I mean, as you were, Raphael in in, uh, in Tempereth, and Mikael in Hoth. Now, Prophemius and Agrippa never could agree on on this. They they kind of vacillated back and forth between putting Raphael in Tempereth and 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 Mikael in Hoth and and Hoth and and Mikael in in Tempereth and Raphael in Hoth. I know Bill Gray got. He did that. He, Bill Gray uh, wanted to put uh, Mikhail and Tipperet. You know, one of the reasons why people, some people like to put Mikhail and Tipperet is that that Christians, very devout Christians, they like to put Mikhail and Tipperet because they want a two-fisted Jesus, and Mikhail is tough, and, and so they prefer Mikhail and, and, and Tipperet. But actually, if you, you know, Raphael is a healing, the teaching angel, the healing angel, the, the, uh, the nurturing, you know, the, 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 the angel that, that, that wants to help you and, and, and he's not judgmental. He's, 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 what are the, he is what a Tipperethian angel should be. Uh, at least I think so, anyway. And so does the Golden Dawn. So we'll we'll keep Raphael and Tipperif. Um Now, thing before we get off uh, away from this tarot card, um, Crowley, if you notice, in his both tarot deck, he has a, a uh, version of this that he calls art. And by that, he means alchemical art. And he has this androgynous figure, uh, kind of half... Uh, uh, half one and a half dark and half light, whatever. Uh, that is uh, putting um, a brand of fire down into this cauldron and then pouring liquid in it with the other the other hand. And then there's a white lion there and there's a red eagle. And then we have around the or in an arch around the figure we have the vitriol formula. Visit the interior of the earth, find the stone of the wise, and and um, and, be, and be transformed. So you have it. Uh, this particular card. Now I want to point something out that a lot of people don't know. Is that this card, of course, was you know, designed by Crowley and executed by Frida Harris, but. Uh, I was surprised when we got the the um, OTO rituals in Crowley's handwriting from Gerald York years and years ago. Uh, he sent them all to us before Francis King published, published all of them, many years before then. And I was looking through Crowley's rituals, and here is a sketch of this this version of the temperance card. This that almost and, and uh, then years later. I was going through Golden Dawn papers and found the same sketch, and it was done by Mathers. 
So the original sketch for uh, the original design for um, Curly's version of the temperance card was originally from the Golden Dawn, and it was originally done by Mathers. Uh, and it was, as I say, alchemical. And uh, now, the idea here, if we're going to talk about alchemy, the idea here is to have a transformation process uh, resulting in this path and a balanced transformation process. You notice that that in the tarot card, uh, the weight version, uh, you have the angel who has one foot on the earth and one foot in the water, and then he's pouring uh, these the one uh, one goblet which looks like water into the other goblet, and you might say that he's uh, transforming transforming water into wine or something like that. But the most the key point is that we have earth and water here. And, you know, as you know, um, Saturn, which is the, the path, the, the 32nd path right below this path, leading up to, is attributed to Earth and to Saturn. And, and this path, of course, is attributed to Sagittarius. So uh, what, we're, what we're doing with this, al- with this, this alchemical idea is balancing these elements in, of course, the personality. Because as we all know, uh, I know a lot of us don't like to, like to uh, think about this, but the main thing, the main reason why we do this uh, work on the tree of life and why we why we study this this aspect of the Kabbalah is to transform and to to inspire and enlighten and and uh, and acquire knowledge for ourselves for our own personal development. This is the most important aspect of this. It isn't. It isn't the master role of this, so that you can uh, you can cure the warts on uh, Aunt, Aunt Fanny's nose. That, that that's not what we're doing. We're trying to improve uh, ourselves, and we're using this this process, a deep inner process here, to do that. And one of the things that uh, I think John Michael Greer points out. Uh, in fact, I tell you the truth, in this particular instance, I prefer uh, John Michael Greer's interpretation of this path to uh, Basil Wilby's Gareth Knight's. I think uh, Gareth Knight gets off on St. John of the Cross, and he just goes on and on and on. Uh, but, but John Michael Greer comes to the point on this. He says that you really can't get through this veil going up to Tipperiff until you face up to the fact that you can't blame all of your misfortunes and your uh, lack of success and all the rest of the things that that uh, you, you're not satisfied with, you can't blame them on other people. You got to just give that up, and 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 this you give that up, and then you can get through this veil and you can get on into Tipperef, because of course Tipperef is the sphere of sacrifice, the sphere of at one month. And I think John Michael Greer is very right about that. Whereas the other spheres over there, the sphere of the, the, the other paths, the, the devil and, and death, have a somewhat different uh, approach to this idea. This is, this is the, the, middle, the, the middle pillar here, the 25th path, is, uh, is pretty, although it's not easy. It's certainly not easy. Is really the better way to go. Now, uh, the business with the bow, the centaur, 
Centaur is half man and half beast. Um, and Charon, the centaur in legend, actually sacrificed his own life to to uh, to make Prometheus immortal. So so this is a, a very noble a very noble half beast and half man. And the idea of the bow comes from uh, actually a combination of concepts. Uh, Katesh and and uh, the Hebrew the Hebrew word Katesh, which means bow, and also um, the fact that that these the two spears, uh, well three spears actually, Pod, uh, Netzach, and and Yesod down there actually form a kind of a bow. If you look at the tree, it 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 really does. It really looks this way. You take a look at the at the tree, and you can see these three spheres, and then Tipereth up there, and then you look at the twenty foot path, and it's like an arrow. It really is. It, it forms a perfect arrow, and you shoot it right up up into Tipereth, and this is why it, uh, it's referred to as the bow. And um, now, while we're talking about that, let's just mention something else too that confuses people: the order in which you ascend the tree is different in different interpretations. And uh, the the order, actually, these paths are ordered uh, the way, the way um, John Michael Rear has it. He has, um, he has them ordered this way. I'm like, those of you who are looking at a, at a, at a tree of life, you, you can kind of get this idea. Uh, the first path, of course, is, is 32 Tau. And the second path has got to be um, 31 Shen. That's over to Quad. And then uh, off 29, that's the fourth. Um, and, and, but um, let's see, the third. Hmm, where do you put the third? Oh, uh, dear. One, two, four. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the third ought to be... Oh, yeah, the third is fresh, 30. Uh, they're leading over from the sun. That's... Uh, that's uh, well. From it's called the sun. The path's called the sun. It leads from Yasod to Hod. That's three. And then uh, four, of course, is, is Quoth, twenty-nine, leading from Malkuth to uh, to Netzach. And uh, then five is Zadi the star, leading from Yasod to Netzach. And then six is Pech, twenty-seven. That's the tower. Bridging across, you know, that's that's one of the bridges across from uh, Hod to uh, to Netzach. So that uh, that's six. But then, but then uh, seven. Now seven is twenty-five, and this is where the order starts doesn't match. Uh, twenty-five is considered to be first. Seven, and then. And then Ayin, the devil, is eight, and then uh, Nun, uh, twenty-four, is nine. Now I'm not, I'm not, I don't completely agree with this because I think you really ought to perhaps try, you ought, you ought to try to try to go through the devil and go through death, perhaps, and perhaps see, have the experience, and then you then you then then do it right and go up the middle. That's the way I would do it, but uh, you know that's just. Uh, it's more or less the standard manner, but however, the numbers are uh, different in that in that respect. Now, um, I know that's confusing if you're not looking at a at a um, you know a diagram of the tree, 
But if you are, then it makes some kind of sense. Now, um, one of the things that uh, we want to um, bring out here is, uh, I'm going to read you a little bit here what he has in here. It is exactly this inner passivity that is the veil. Such habit can be, comfort, can be comforting. It is nice to be able to blame all one's troubles on someone else, but it stands squarely in the way of the work of redemption and, for that matter, of any real progress in magic. Nor is it enough to do some currently fashionable schools of thought that suggest uh, and decide that you create your own reality. He says, you don't. That is precisely the problem. The task you face as a magician is that of learning to do so. Now, this is, this is a very, very profound sentence that John's come up with here. And the reason being this, we, we do. We construct a magical universe. We actually do. We do it on traditional lines, though. And this is something that I, you know, I just got asked in a class just the other day. So he said, well, why can't we? Why can't we do it? Why can't we create our reality, our magical reality, any way we want to? Yeah. Well, if you do that, then you're going to create it, and you're going to you're going to get around. You're going to create it in such a way that it's going to get around your faults, and you're not going to be able to discover them because if you create it the way you want to, you need to create it on a traditional level because the, because tradition will guide you through. Tradition, you mature, you you create your reality, you program, you use you use astrology and magic and 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 Kabbalah and all this as software, but make sure that it, it, it that it ties in with tradition, and that way then you really can advance. And uh, this brings up to me, I I, I I remember this wonderful movie, which I recommend to everybody. It's just wonderful. The movie's called Mystery Men. And I think we've we've played around with this on the internet several times and whatever. But in in Mystery Man is about a uh, a group. It's a comedy, uh, a very a very profound comedy about a group of second rate superheroes. These are these are people who have created their own superhero identities, and they're really not quite ready for prime time. In the superhero category, but they but they have their own they cut costumes and their whatever, and they really want to be superheroes, and they they're just not quite succeeding. So so they they decide to to go out and get themselves a guru, and they get a guru to they get this guru to sort of get them into shape so they can really realize their powers and all this. So they go they they, they get West Studi who is, you know, a very, very good American Indian actor. In fact he looks like the he looks like the the, the face on the Buffalo Nickel. And and but West they bring in West Studi and, and he he is a character who calls himself the Sphinx. And West Studi has a series of maxims that he comes up with that really are very, very, very apropos. And one of them that applies to this sentence that uh, that John Michael Greer came up with is uh, where the Sphinx says, in order to learn my teachings, I must first teach you how to learn. I'll repeat that. In order to learn my teachings, I must first teach you how to learn. 
There is a world of wisdom in that statement. And of course, he has some others. While we're on the subject of snakes, we might as well do the rest of them. He who doubts his powers only lends powers to his doubts. And then, first of all, I like, he who questions the training only trains himself to ask questions. So, in this case, you need to learn how to learn. And the way you learn is to realize that you are responsible for your universe. And you're responsible for your own faults and for your own failures. Nobody else is. You are. And this is the first step. And then you learn you learn the system, the traditional uh, building blocks of your system. And the traditional building blocks, of course, of magic are astrology and, and Kabbalah and, uh, and, and the symbols of alchemy. And, and the, the, we, we, we learn these just as if we were going to school and learning a grammar. Now, um, another thing that is applied to this path is the legend of Jacob's Ladder. And the ladder goes straight on up. Jacob's Ladder figures in, in the Mithriotic tradition. It figures in Arkwright or Apollo, which is very much influenced by the Mithriotic tradition. And uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Jacob's Ladder. Um, Jacob uh, envisioned, envisioned his ladder and, and going up to heaven, and he called the place where he had this vision, Beth El, which means the house of El. Now, El, El is uh, a name for God. And in Phoenician uh, mythology, El is the supreme God. He is he and Asherah, his wife Asherah of the sea, they rule the known, you know, the known universe. And so uh, El is the over God. Uh, and El was called the compassionate, unlike Yahweh, who was called jealous and and uh, vengeful and all of that. El was was called El the compassionate. He um, he ruled over all and 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 was not terribly judgmental. He he was he was compassionate over God, which is an I think quite an improvement over uh, Yahweh's attitude. And and El was probably the god of Solomon and and, and certainly the god of Hiram of Tyre. And when they built the Solomon's temple, they didn't build it for Yahweh, they built it for El. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. And El is attributed, by the way, to he's the holy name of of uh, Jupiter, which um, which is uh, uh, very much related to to, uh, to this whole process, and so um, let's see here. Uh, so the image of Sagittarius the Archer is a centaur. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, trying to find this reference to. Uh, to Jupiter here, um, and uh, and the said has a you know has has L as its uh, you know as its uh, as its holy name. Now, um, if we uh, if we do this path the way we do it, 
and in the OTA, we would use the boat because, as you probably uh, recall, uh, we used Cousar's boat as a vehicle for all the paths above Hod, Yasod, and Netsok. And the reason for that is, is that we, you know, we don't want to have to walk over uh, walk over ground that we've uh, already done. And, and so we have that we developed this uh, this boat, um, flying boat. Uh, it has wings. It's an Ibis boat, actually. It, it, it's, uh, and you can see it in our path working video. We we don't do any boat workings because those are the lower three workings or workings that we do. But but we have uh, the boat. We show the boat at the end of the the path workings on the order. Now you can see. Um, that the boat has a, it has a tail. It's like a bird with its wings folded along the sides. It has uh, has uh, places for candles on either side. We put the candles the color of the sphere we're going to. And it has a compass in the middle. It has a cockpit. It has a rudder. And it has a beak like an ibis. And, and right down the middle on the on the port side, it's all black. And on the, on the uh, starboard side, it's all white. And then the wings are are folded on the side. Well, now when we get in and uh, in the temple, uh, we all um, you know get around the altar facing the soul door. And our soul door is, um, and you most of you have seen it in our videos. It's an Egyptian style arch and a Florida ceiling magic mirror, dark magic mirror. So you can you can place the um, you place the symbol of the planet that you're going to, the sphere. And then we all take our spirit bodies and put them on the boat on the top of the altar. The boat spreads its wings, and we fly to the sphere, to the sphere that we're going to, or we fly over the paths and, and, and land and then take the path to the sphere. Now, in the case of, of, um, of the 25, path 25, uh, leading from Yasod to Tipperet. Actually, this is one of the paths that we do entirely with the boat, as far as the path is concerned. Now, something I want to point out uh, that confuses a lot of people. When you do a path working, you're not just doing the path. You're doing the path to the sphere, and then you're doing the sphere. Even if that takes you to the sphere, and you and you do the sphere, the this confusion has has arisen as a result of uh, the Golden Dawn overemphasizing the paths, and they they considered the paths to be active, all the active principles, and the spheres were passive. They put the paths all in the uh, uh, in the Asadufi scale, and they put the uh, and then they that the you know that the, the top of the scale, uh, and then they put uh, the, the, the colors for the spheres in the Briatic scale, which is the the archangelic dimension right below. So the idea here was I call it the Queen scale, by the way, and the, and the idea here was that the paths are, are, are attributed to the tarot cards and or at least to the trumps, and 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 there the paths are all important, and then they almost forgot about the spheres, and this is kind of sad, but it results in, it's a it's a result of too much I think dependence on Elvis Levy who. 
who believed that the terminal preceded the Kabbalah and it was much more important. And, and so this path, this analog to the past became the most important thing. But you should never forget that your path is leading you to the, to the sphere. And the path, the path relates to the sphere it's leading you to. But the sphere itself is the whole realm of the principle that you're trying to achieve, you're trying to, you're trying to, to, to accomplish. And so uh, this is something that, 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 that a lot of people don't understand. You do a path working, sure, you go do all the various things on the path and the attention points and what have you, but then get into the sphere and, and, and learn what the sphere can teach you. This is what you're really supposed to do. So in our case, we, we do the 25th path. It's the one we've been talking about. We do this all in the boat, all flying. We fly over the whole thing. And, of course, there's a storm, and, 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 uh, and we have uh, quite a bit of symbolism that occurs while we're in the boat, in the air, you know, and, and flying over the path. And so then we land. We land in Tipperith, and then our concept and the way we do Tipperith is we have a a step pyramid, a great big pyramid with a crystal on the top of it, which catches the sunlight. Now, this pyramid, I have to um, I have to confess, I back in '88 I went down to the to Mexico City and and went out to Teotihuacan and climbed the uh, I climbed the the tower the, the pyramid of the sun. Got up to the top, and this was the Day of the Dead. And, and the top of, the, of that pyramid is very, very, by the way, it's very hard to climb that pyramid because the steps are all way too high and too narrow. And they're designed that way to exhaust the poor guy that's going to climb up there to get sacrificed. They want to exhaust him. So by the time he gets to, you know, he, he, he's, he's so exhausted that he's not going to fight back, and he, you know, he's about half dead anyway. And so when you get to the top, you're, you're, you know, you're kind of winded. But up at the top, they have about a 50-foot square uh, truncated flat area. And there was about, I guess, about 40 people up there. But over in the corner was a huddle of UNAM students, and, and that's University of Mexico. And they were all kind of had their backs to us. They were over in the corner of the, of the top of the pyramid. And they don't want anybody to watch them. They, they, they were, and they were releasing monarch butterflies from mason jars. And I turned around to Dr. Applegate, who was my host, and, and I said, Shelley, and I said, paganism is alive and well in Mexico. Well, that experience uh, has something to do with uh, my particular conception of how, how we operate the tip rest sphere. So we have this big pyramid, and it has the same kind of steps up leading up the top. And there's this big crystal up in the top, which uh, catches the rays of the sun. So we go on in, uh, instead of climbing all the way up, we find a door and, and get inside the pyramid. And inside, it's, you know, a big corbel interior. And and there's Baal right under where the crystal light comes down in a in a in a, in a column, um, and he's sitting up in his throne. And Moat, his brother, the god of death, is right at his left shoulder. And Moat is not 
too sinister and he's kind of sad looking and, he, but he, and, and sympathetic and, and Val is, 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 is his very masculine, very uh, virile self and Val has this this of the solstices and, and uh, he, he catches a light from the sun in this goblet, this rainbow light and then he, he, he comes down and we dance around him, and he shares this this goblet of light with us. We fill ourselves with light, and we dance around, dance around and around. And then, of course, finally, when we're exhausted, Moe uh, comes down and, and, and tells us it's time to rest. And then he takes us by a spiral staircase up to the top, up the top of the pyramid, and from the inside, and. We look down from the top of the pyramid and see these people coming up and climbing this this very difficult, very steep bunch uh, of steps. And they they're coming up and they're carrying all of their possessions on their backs. That's like you know, it's just like a they're tinkling and banging like a junk wagon. They're carrying all this stuff on their backs, all their prized possessions. And as they come up, they get more and more tired. And they start dropping things off, throwing, you know, uh, abandoning their the possessions they have. And they finally get to the top, and well, ow, that's when, of course, you find out that one of the ones you've been looking at is yourself. I'm not going to go too far, much further into that because this, you know, that's that's a mystery kind of a thing. But this is the way we personally handle this uh, this path, and we have some other um, uh, symbolism, of course. That, occurs on the, on the way here. Uh, that path, that pathwork I just described, however, is not uh, in the in the uh, the pathworking DVD that is for associate members. That that that's uh, the first three uh, plus uh, plus the arrow pathworking. And uh, so the path, the the, the uh, spheres beyond the veil of the sanctuary. Are really uh, that that's just basically inner order work. Um, so uh, this particular uh, path that, uh, leading up to Tiferet, path twenty-five, is as you can imagine very important, and it's a path that uh, you should. I think. I think you should personally. I think you should experiment with the other two paths first. And then, and then, uh, when you've learned those lessons, then take the path up the middle and complete your Tiferet experience. That's my my personal way of, of uh, looking at it. And um, as far as as uh, the uh, the solar aspect of the of the Kabbalah, I think um, we're going to be getting into that uh, next week. Uh, this the solar this, uh, the importance of Tiferet the solar aspect of the Kabbalah. Next week we're going to have Brother Rob Sullivan on uh, talking about his magnum opus, the Royal Arch of Enoch. This 600-page book he's written describing the classical the classical pagan solarism uh, behind uh, the behind the. Uh, higher degrees of masonry, 
which uh, which kind of warms the cockles of my heart because, uh, frankly, uh, those of us who are in the hermetic tradition, we're very much aware of this, but a lot of people don't know this, that, that uh, solarism, solarism is essentially, um, it, it, it's north temperate zone. You get this north temperate zone solarism, and it's, so it's European and Central Asian and European, and our mythologies are all silver, uh, and, and and the Egyptians, their their mythology was silver, uh, but conversely, most of the mythology, uh, the Hebrew mythology, uh, Arab mythology, um, um, and and uh, and on down into some of the uh, some of the areas in India, and all that, they were not that solar, and the reason is that the sun was considered to be their enemy. The sun, they, you know, they, they, uh, when it's 120 degrees in the shade, you, you, you don't like the sun very much. But you're, but if you're, a, if you're in a temperate zone, the sun is, the, the importance of the sun is, is obvious. Uh, so, um, when did the, if the, if the Kabbalah is, uh, is, is basically Hebrew, why we have this breath right in the center, and why is it so important? Well, the answer to that. You know, just like uh, why it's important in masonry. <laughs> the answer to that is because uh, the Kabbalah is, as we have it, the Kabbalah is essentially Pythagorean. It's uh, it's got a lot, it got a lot of Greco-Egyptian uh, and and uh, and uh, classical pagan classical pagan roots to it, and and seen through a. Couched in, in biblical terminology, but but it, it is it is very very Pythagorean, and that of course is is a solar analog, uh, and so Tipperef, um, you know, you know just uh, remember Giordano Bruno, you know, remember he he, he they just they didn't burn him at the stake because he he uh, supported Copernicus. That Copernicus was actually actually caused a hermetic revival. The, the hermetic uh, magicians loved Copernicus. Didn't hurt the astrology at all. It didn't because astrology is geocentric anyway. But it meant that we were revolving around the sun. The sun was revolving around us, and that confirmed the hermetic proposition that the sun is the representative of God. And Bruno said. Oh, he said, uh, not only is Copernicus right, but the sun is God. And they burned him into stake when they were at that point. Uh, but uh, the solar mythos is very definitely expressed in the, in the Book of Enoch, which is one of the points that, that uh, Rob, uh, Rob Sullivan's making. And it is very, and it very, very much influenced Christianity. Christianity became, literally became a solar religion. This is why Jesus really is, uh, if you want to put Jesus somewhere in the Kabbalah, you, you put him at Tipperef. This is where he's got to be. And so uh, this uh, Tipperef sphere is the sphere of transformation. It's the sphere of atonement, which means atonement. And it is the sphere of uh, beauty and celestial power and especially solar Solar transformation and, and the, the entire solar uh, mythos. So next week we're going to have 
Brother Rob Sullivan talking about his book, uh, The Royal Arch of Enoch, which I very, very much recommend uh, for you people who, who want to. Be. This is like this is like having a, a, a modern version of Morals and Dogma, and it's a lot. It's easier to read than Morals and Dogma, and easier to understand, but it covers the same ground and in depth. And uh, so next week, tune in for that. And uh, and like Valley Hall used to say, that's all for tonight, folks. And good magic.